Hello and welcome to Ghosts. Today we have a little change up that would only be expected. Ghost hunting. Today we have Chris August. He's the founder of the organization OC Ghosts and Legends, and he's going to be telling us some of his own experiences, as well as some experiences he's had on the field. This is episode four, OC Ghosts and Legends. Thanks for listening and enjoy. OC Ghosts and Legends was um, founded a little over 10 years ago now, if you ask me uh, 10 years ago, 11, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, if I would be doing what I'm doing, I'd probably tell you you've absolutely lost your mind. But uh, we, as, as an organization, we're a very tight-knit family, and uh, we go out and investigate alleged or notorious uh, haunted locations, be that in uh, Orange County, where we are situated, it's our base camp. Um, these are historical landmarks, these are theaters, these are ships, these are caverns and caves, these are, um, geez, anything you can think of, homes, uh, private businesses, whatever you can think of. And um, sometimes we're, we're aware of the legends and the stories, sometimes um, there's kind of suspicions that there, there might be something going on and we really have nothing to go on. But we're out there in the field investigating regularly, and through our investigations, we, of course, we find things, we, we capture incredible evidence, and what we wanted to do was be able to present this to the public. People are naturally curious, even if people don't believe, even if people are skeptical. I would, I would confidently say at least everybody is curious, so they don't have to believe it, um, but everyone likes a ghost story. Our job is not to try to convince people either way. We're not trying to convince you of something. We're, we're, we're not telling you it's real. We're not telling you it isn't real. It's really for people to decide for themselves. And our motto is challenge belief. I came into this not knowing what the hell I believed. Um, I, I, I came into this having a fear of it, a fear of the unknown of not knowing if it was real. And I, I, I always say I tend to be a contradiction in my life. Uh, if I am terrified of something, I'm drawn to it. I am, I am terrified of sharks, yet I am fascinated and I can watch everything and anything about sharks. Um, tornadoes scare the hell out of me. All through my life as a child, I had nightmares about them. I've lived in Orange County my whole life. I've never been around a tornado. But as a child, I wanted to be a storm chaser. You know, uh, and here I am, you know, watching Unsolved Mysteries as a kid, uh, hearing that creepy theme music and being terrified and closing my blinds at night or my curtains, always expecting a, a beam of light to come through. Those things terrified me. Um, the thought of, of a spirit or, or, or a ghost uh, being in my presence and not having any idea. I came into this guess in a sense of exploring that fear. I still fall in the category of what I what I call an open-minded skeptic. So I don't believe things until I see it. Uh, I've, I've absolutely experienced things that I can't explain and they will stay with me the rest of my life. Um, but there's always that skeptic, that skeptical side of me that even though those experiences were so profound, 
that I still have my moments where I'm thinking, ah, I was, man, I was tired that night. I, w- I must have been delusional. I must have been delusional. There, there's, maybe it was anxiety. Maybe, so I'm still, I'm still doing that, but I'm also coming to terms the, the longer I'm in this field that sometimes you just, you need to let things be what they are. Years ago, my sisters and I went to the Queen Mary to do, I get one of their little uh, ghost walks on the ship. And we were all really into this stuff. We were, you know, we were, like I said, we watched uh, Unsolved Mysteries growing up and, and we liked anything creepy and weird. And um, so we were all really excited to experience this. And I walked into it being open, but but definitely having that that fear in the back of my mind of being in the dark you know what what's around me what could there be something standing next to me and i don't even know so i'd never actually put myself in an environment like that that is notoriously haunted and and naturally i think everyone's imagination is going to run a little bit wild when you're in that environment so you know it was the first time that you know we were put in that situation where everything was very dark uh, you're you're left to, um, you know, your imagination in those moments and and being in a very dark space, and that can be uh, that alone can be uncomfortable for some. So it was definitely putting me out of my comfort zone. So we went and did this this ghost walk there, and we ended up spending the night. And um, you know, we all we all stayed. We we rented one of the rooms on the ship, and uh, we. That night, and it, it is kind of funny, but looking back on it now, maybe it isn't so funny. I was kind of a jerk at the time that it happened. Um, but we were sleeping in, in, in one of the cabins, and um, I remember waking up because my, my sister, who was uh, sleeping on one of those pull-out uh, beds or the cots or something, and I had one of the, the other beds, and she woke up screaming at the top of her lungs she was shrieking like it was like she was being murdered i mean it was ear piercing and for some reason and this is how much you know we care about each other uh for some reason i i kind of laughed i i i laid there i'm like what are you what are you doing because i thought she was scared she was just being obnoxious that she was just scared of, of whatever i didn't take it seriously but also in that moment, I was kind of frozen because it was really weird. It was, I don't know what time it was. And, and after she stopped screaming, she didn't, she didn't move. She didn't do anything. She was just laying there. It was like she was, uh, I don't know if she was paralyzed or couldn't move, but I didn't see any movement. So I did kind of peer up and I'm, I'm looking to see if she's okay, but I'm laughing. I'm thinking, knock it off. I'm, I'm not taking it seriously. So I don't know how much time had passed. She stopped screaming. My other sister didn't acknowledge anything, so she must not have taken it seriously. So anyway, we wake up the next morning, and the first thing um, she said, uh, my sister who was screaming, she said, dude, did you guys hear me screaming last night? And I said, that was real? And she said there was something floating above Karen's head. It was It was this weird light anomaly, and I was frozen. I couldn't... I didn't know what to do. I was terrified. 
and I didn't believe her, and this was, you know, really stupid. I said, ah, you're just pulling her leg, I wouldn't think anything of it, but she to this day believes what she saw, there was some anomaly above Karen's head. So anyway, fast forward, after leaving the ship, um, I ended up being in 29 Palms, I think that's near, what, Joshua Tree? We were out there with some friends, and, and I think we were going and doing some geocaching. I, think, I don't think anybody does that anymore. But it was fun. We were all around 29 Palms. We were doing some uh, geocaching. It was like a little um, treasure hunt, so to speak. And we stayed in this little motel down there. I'll never forget that that night, I had just gotten into bed. And it was one of those pullouts on the couch. I just got into bed. My buddy was on the phone. I could hear him talking. He was talking to a girlfriend at the time. And so I can hear him through the door. I can see the light on under the door. And I just, just got into bed. And I, I can say no more than two minutes had passed. I just laid in bed. I put the covers on. I was on my side. And I'm closing my eyes. I can hear him talking in the background. And... I hear this voice or like a breath that was getting closer and closer and closer to my ear. It was just a louder and louder right in my ear. And I, it was so terrifying. I jumped out of, of the bed, it was that pullout. And I, I ran to the nearest light switch. I'm knocking on my, my friend's door. I'm thinking in my mind, time must have passed. Maybe I, maybe I slept. What, what time is it? I know, I, I know logically I just laid down. So it's not a matter of, of having a bad dream. I wasn't even sleeping. And of course I'm knocking on his door and I'm thinking he must have played a prank on me. He must have, he must have come out here. I, I must have fallen asleep. And he's still on the phone. He's saying, hold on, hold on, to his girlfriend and, you know, knocking on the door. What's going on? I said, you you came out. You came out of the room and, and were you messing with me? Did you, you know, scream in my ear? And he said, what are you talking about? He's, he's thinks I'm a complete nutball right, th right then. And, I, I mean, I, I was confused. So I eventually, he, you know, just kind of went back to what he was doing. And I don't know. I don't know what he thought of me at the time. <laughs> But um, he ended up going back, closing his door, and I went back to back to the couch, and I tried to sleep. I had a very hard time because I, you know, that's not something you can go back to sleep uh, quickly after hearing that. So that was the second incident. And this was probably just a couple months after we left the Queen Mary. So the third incident happened two months later again this is all within a six month block block of time this third time i was down in san diego and i was staying in a, in a condo with with my girlfriend at the time it was late and uh the, the the room we were staying in was in the back of the condo and i remember we were going to go to bed and i walked around the, the condo and I turned off all the light switches. So I was turning everything off. I went and I locked the door. You know, our eyes naturally adjust to the dark. It takes, I don't know, about a minute. And you can see the outlines of everything. You can see the outline of the couch. You can see the outline of pretty much everything. And you got a little bit of illumination. It was on like a skyrise, uh, one of those skyrise condos. So you had some illumination uh, of the moonlight 
Um, so it wasn't complete pitch darkness. So eventually I was starting to make my way down the hall to the back bedroom. And something so vivid that's etched in my brain. Um, right in that hallway, there's, there's a bathroom. And if I'm looking down the hall, on the right is the bathroom door. And I vividly remember a very, very large shadow of a man. And large to me, he was about the height of the door frame. So the top of his head was was about the height of the door frame, but what's an important detail is that he was hanging out of the, this is so bizarre explaining this, he was hanging out of the door frame, almost like he was using, he was peeking out, but he was using his fingers or his hands on the, the trim of the door to hold himself, like he was kind of hanging, hanging out of it. And it, it wasn't a threatening pose. It, it was, it was a curious, it was a curious person. He was massive. He was tall. And it was a shadow. When I say shadow, it's darker than the dark. And to the point that I could see a full outline, shape of a person. He was hanging out the door, holding on to the, the door frame. And when I say shadow, there's no detail. So there's, there's, there's no detail of clothing, no facial features. I didn't see any features. It was just pure black and darkness. So my first instinct was to also run for the first, <laughs> the first light switch I could find. I turn on the lights and I'm, I'm anything I can find, I'm turning it on. And my heart was pounding. I, which is weird because I just, I just mentioned that I, I didn't feel threatened. It wasn't something that was out to get me. You can kind of envision, um, if, if you've ever seen a shadow before, um, it's intent. Um, they don't, they don't do much. Shadows are typically very fast. They're, they're often in your peripheral, but this was a, a shadow that stood there and watched me. And, but I didn't feel in danger, but it was terrifying because how often do you see a massive, large, dark figure looking at you in a hallway and of course when I turned around, this, there was nothing there so I'm I'm shouting out to my girlfriend at the time and I said I, I just saw something in the hall and um I, I I I didn't know any other way to express what I had just witnessed without her thinking I'm psycho and I'm crazy so so she 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 brushed it off and she, she kind of said, you know, you're just trying to scare me. Uh, you know, don't don't try to scare me. I'm not in the mood to do that. I, I Eventually, I just kind of gave up talking about it. Um, so I was kind of reflecting that of what happened in 29 Palms, what happened in, in, in the, uh, the room in the Queen Mary. So the next thing that we did is I decided... You know, I, I wasn't turned off from this stuff, and now I'm fascinated. I'm like, what What the heck is going on? And I'm realizing this stuff only started happening ever since I left that ship. 
and I never really put much thought into this stuff before um, as far as, you know, p potential hitchhikers or attachments. And even now, I, I don't know where I stand with that. I was still intrigued with the thought, so I decided to go back. I took some friends with me this time. It wasn't with my sisters. And I said, you know, we got to go on the Queen Mary. And, and this is, I'd never done anything in the field before, so it was very exciting for me. And I, I said, you know, I, let's go back. And so we did. And at the time, there, there was a medium that was working for the Queen Mary, and she was helping guide the, the walk that we did that, that night. And at the end of the night, I, I approached her, and I felt really silly. And, you know, knowing what I know now, it's hardly silly at all. Um, but I felt really ridiculous. And so I pulled her aside at the end of the night, and I said, I, I have a serious question, and I don't know any other way to put it. So I said, nothing's ever happened to me in my whole life until I left this ship six months ago. Is it possible that maybe I took something home with me? Is that crazy? Is that normal? And she says, it's absolutely possible. It doesn't happen very often, but it's possible. And I, I kind of chuckled and I laughed and I said, I think I think I took something home with me. And how do I, I don't know what to do. I want to bring him back. Can I, can I, can I leave him here? I don't know how to do it, but can you maybe talk to him <laughs> to make him stay here? And, um, she didn't really have much else to tell me other than it was possibility. She didn't, you know, really coach me on anything else. After that visit, it was probably almost a year. Nothing happened. Everything stopped never experienced anything again everything kind of went back to normal so i decided to go back again and went back a third time and took some friends with me after that visit to the queen mary we have that six month time period where another set of three incidents happened and maybe i dropped off the hitchhiker, that second time that I went, I don't know, but it started again. And it it would happen when I least expect it. And one of the first things that happened to me is I, I was at home and at the time um, I was staying with my dad and I was in the office and I was on the computer and I had a coffee cup. Uh, sitting on the table and I'll never forget I, I can see exactly where the cup was and it was it was hot coffee so it wasn't uh, anything that had condensation or anything I'm looking at the screen and I, I can hear I heard movement of a cup and the cup went from where it was sitting <clears throat> in front of me to all the way across the other side of the table and I'm not talking you know a little slight little move I'm talking this cup I heard it I could hear the, the sound of the dragging I can hear it dragging and I know I never put the cup in the corner I didn't do that and it it slid it slid all the way to the other side of the table and I I, 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 I was stunned and I was frozen so the skeptic in myself is thinking, okay, think for a second. 
there's an answer for this. I'm, my cup didn't just on its own slide across the table. Be smart here. So I'm standing up and I'm, I'm wiggling the table. I'm thinking, did I, did I hit it? Did the table move? Did I hit it with my knee? Um, so I'm, I'm testing it out. I'm, I'm moving the cup back where it was and I'm moving the table, lifting up the table, doing everything I can to get this stupid cup to move. Cup wouldn't budge. Cup didn't do anything. So even if, it, if, it, even if I did hit it, it wouldn't move when I lifted it. So it, it definitely wasn't that. And I yelled out to my dad. And fortunately, my dad is, is also curious about this stuff. So he didn't laugh at me. He actually was, was intrigued. I said, Dad, you're not going to believe it. My cup just slid across the table. He said, what are you talking about? It slid, I said, it slid across the table. I, I, I can, I can, I can, it was in my peripheral, but I mostly heard it. I heard the slide, but I could, you could, I could see it in the corner of my eye moving across the table. Okay. So the coffee cup moved and sometime later, maybe a month or two, sometime later, I was standing in the kitchen and, um, where I was standing was more in the corner of the kitchen, so there was um, nobody who would be standing in front of me or behind me. I was fairly isolated in the kitchen. And it was nearest a trash can and a table. So something came over and tapped me three times on the shoulder. And I'm not talking one tap. It was three distinct taps on the shoulder that I immediately whipped around thinking that I was going to see somebody standing there. And naturally, nobody was there. And I'm looking around, and my dad's nowhere to be found. Nobody is in the area, so I yelled out loud, Is somebody here? Is somebody... Somebody just walk in the kitchen. And um, I could hear the television. So my dad was watching TV, so he was way in another room. So, of course, I shouted to him again, and I said, Dad... Something just tapped me on the shoulder, not just once, but three times. I felt it. I, I, I might, I might going crazy. What is going on? And who the heck is trying to get my attention? I mean, these are very non-threatening things. If there is something there, it's non-threatening. If, if, if it tap, if it's just tapping me on the shoulder or moving my coffee cup, uh, it's, it's not something that's evil or trying to harm me. But clearly, something's trying to get my attention or I'm going crazy one or the other so the third and final thing that happened was still in that same house so what's interesting is that second batch of incidents in threes happened at, at, at this house which was my childhood home and um, I was sleeping in my room it was late and I only question this incident because of the fact that I was sleeping but I know that I woke up and I was coherent I was aware and I woke up and right in the in the corner where my bedroom door is I saw another large shadow of a person it was a man who was standing in that corner of my bedroom I'm thinking, okay, I just woke up, but I'm, I'm scared. 
<clears throat> you know, I'm adjusting my eyes and I'm, I'm trying to wake up and, and thinking that uh, my eyes are playing tricks on me. But it was still there. It was still there. These moments feel like hours, you know, or long periods of time when they're happening. But this is in reality happening in a split second. And, but, you know, I, I had enough time to try to rub my eyes and, and adjust my eyes, but it was still very, very fast. And it was a similar stature, similar size of what I witnessed in that condo in San Diego. And I don't know how much time had passed, but it was very scary. I, th I also thought in that moment, do I have like a... a you know, when I'm sure in your own house, maybe you have like a, if you have a chair or a couch or something where you start piling stuff on it and you might wake up thinking there's a person in your room because you have something stacked, stacked on your chair. Uh, but I knew it wasn't that. So I, I'm still trying to rationalize in that moment. I opened and closed my eyes and it was still there. Of course, it eventually went away. It didn't move. It didn't do anything. It just stood there. It stared, I, I don't know if it literally stared because I didn't see eyes, but meaning it was it was facing me directly and it didn't move, it was just still. I don't know if it was watching me, I don't know if it just suddenly made itself, um, presented itself to me in that moment. I went back to that darn ship <laughs> and that same psychic was there and I went up to her, I said, all right, I'm serious this time. You know, I didn't come back here for a year and it all stopped. Um, I went back again and it's happened again. It's happened in threes. Why is it three, three things? Uh, the same, you know, th three different things in each six month block. And I, I said, I'm serious this time. I want this. I want to bring this back. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on, but, he, you know, I don't mind him. I'm not, I'm not threatened, but he's kind of freaking me out. And I say he, and I, I kind of joked with myself, and I just had a name for him. I don't know why it came to mind, but I said, I'm going to call him Juan Carlos. Yeah, no rhyme or reason. I just was maybe trying to have some humor about it to make myself feel better. And I kind of joked about it with my friends and the people I was telling the story to. I said, Juan Carlos is just, he won't leave me alone. I think I did that to really make myself feel better, to have a sense of humor about what I was seeing. And I didn't have any insider idea as to if this was a spirit or attachment that came with me from this ship. What did he want? What am I going to be able to do for him? Is there something I don't know? Is there a message that he has to tell me? Why me? There's so many other people that he could attach himself to. Um, and who was he? Who was this person? Did he have a story? Is he somebody related to me? Um, all these questions that, that I had to ask myself. And so I, I told the medium, I said, I'm bringing him back. I, I want him to go. I'm, you know, I'm cool, but he's scaring me. He's really, this has never happened to me in my life, and I'm, I really am not comfortable waking up to a large shadow in my room. I don't know what he wants, but he's got to go. Um... So I left, and Juan Carlos never came back. I never saw him again, and it stopped. That began my 
curiosity and my interest to dive into this field and to try to have a better understanding of this phenomenon. And, you know, I, I strangely enough, I don't think I've had attachments ever since. It's been 10 years in this business, in this field. I've never had attachments. I don't know why something attached to me that, you know, from that ship. I, I don't know the significance behind it and maybe it was meant to be. Maybe that was just fate, um, but that was really the catalyst to doing something about it and wanting to make sense of this. So um, that that was what projected me into this field, and here we are some uh, ten odd years later. Black Star Canyon is located in the Santa Ana Mountains, um, in Silverado Canyon. And Black Star Canyon is named after what was known as the uh, Black Star Coal Mining Company. And they had coal, well, or I'm sorry, they had mined coal. And it was a bit of a bust. It didn't um, last very long. That was 18, I want to say 1868. And I could be, don't quote me on the year, uh, but late 1800s. So uh, they named the park after Black Star Canyon. And it's actually technically a, a part of the um, Cleveland National Forest. Black Star Canyon is, has been a just a hotbed for weird and bizarre. And you can Google search Black Star Canyon and you'll probably hear a lot of stories of about the occult and people making sacrifices out there. You're gonna you're gonna get. Um, all the evil evil things you can imagine and what i like to tell people is that whatever you've heard about black star uh if you did your your homework and you, you did some digging and you looked into all the legends i want you to forget all about it and that's fun that's great but i i like to tell people what most of those things are bogus there are some that have some merit to them uh, there was a Native American uh, massacre out in the in the canyon there. That is a true story. Uh, but a lot of the stories that you're going to find are people out there making sacrifices. I mean, stories of the KKK, a bunch of bizarre things. There have been crimes that have been committed out there. And um, it, it can be a very scary and intimidating place. Um, Black Star, we've been actively investigating for, for 10 years one of the most notorious stories that was hugely impactful in my life which really changed a lot for me and it questions or i'm sorry it, it challenges my my rationality and really taking pride in being logical and wanting to use common sense I don't like to rush to judgments. I don't like to think that something is something it's not. Going and replaying it over and over and over and over in my head, this is one of those things that I don't think anybody would understand unless they experienced it. It happened maybe sometime around 2000, maybe 2015. And we do uh, regular ghost walks uh, out in Black Star Canyon. This particular night, I was I was leading a tour group. 
So at this particular point in the path, which we have uh, now deemed um, the vortex, because of a pattern of experiences that have been not just experienced by us, but reported by other people, tour groups, uh, it's the same location that these things are happening. At one point on the pathway, I'm leading this group and... I'd say it was probably about maybe a group of 15 people. We really try to keep keep our groups as intimate as possible. So that was really a cap for us. So that's, that was pushing it. Um, so we're walking and I'm heading the group. And this walkway was very, very dark. And there was just subtle, subtle moonlight. It wasn't a full moon, maybe a half moon. I don't recall if it was overcast, but it was very subtle light, maybe like a hue. A soft hue and I was at the forefront of this group and I remember having a casual conversation with with this gentleman who um, is significant in the story because he was also present for the next incident um, but he was just he was a guest and he just came back for another another walk because of what I'm about to tell you so I'm talking to him casually. I'm just having a, a normal conversation. We're walking and we're talking before our next stop to, to talk with the group. And I look ahead where there's a specific uh, spot on the trail. And what I had witnessed was, was something from the middle of, of the dirt pathway. about middle of the road. And it was hunched over on, so it was on four, four legs, um, well, long back legs and very long arms, very long arms. And I got a side profile and whatever this was, it was very, very fast. So this all happened in a split second, but in your brain, it's very slow motion, especially when you're, when you're remembering what you saw. And I saw this, this, I guess the best term I can come up with is a creature. Um, it ran from the middle of the road off into the side where the bushes are. And it gets very dark over there. And the side profile uh, of very long, thin, narrow arms, uh, long legs, the legs were bent um, the arms were so long that it, it you know, it, it was able to move very fast. It's so hard to explain it. This had a, a very soft greenish hue. It's not a glow. I want to differentiate between glow and hue. It wasn't bright. It was very, very soft. I could see a little bit of a green to it. Uh, because it was a side profile, I couldn't see any details. I was also at a distance, so I couldn't see anything. I, it didn't have any clothing. This did not look to be human in nature. So in that moment, I stopped, and I, I just stopped in my tracks, and I stood there, and I, I, I'm, I'm trying to process what happened. I call this the, the, the flight attendant effect, and what I mean by that is when you're on a plane, and if you're scared of planes or flying, who are you looking to on the plane that's going to give you comfort? 
I look to the flight attendant. What is the, if the flight attendant is casual and calm, then we must not be going down in flames, right? If there's turbulence, if she's sitting there reading a magazine, she's all right. She, okay, all right, I guess I can calm down. With turbulence, I can relax, you know? If I respond in fear, what do you think they're gonna do? I mean, they're, they're trusting me that I know what's, what's going on out here, that they're safe, that they're okay. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to react. So I froze and I just stopped in my tracks and I, I don't know how much time had passed, but I, I was, again, I was trying to process what I had just seen. And the guy next to me was, was asked, are you, are you all right? What's going on? And all I remember is that I just said, I'm no, no, everything's cool. Everything's cool. So I just continued walking didn't want to give any indication or tell these people i just saw some weird bizarre creature uh off in the distance my rational mind in that in that incident um i was thinking to myself okay my imagination's running it's dark out here did i watch a movie last night did i see some kind of visual or some scary movie where maybe this this kind of visual was something I watched and it just kind of stayed in my brain. Um, I'm thinking of every possible thing that I can imagine. I, I, it was a long night. I was tired. Maybe I was hungry. I don't know. Um, I wasn't looking for it. I, I, it just happened. It, 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 I can't explain it. If the next weekend didn't happen, I probably would have just erased this from my mind and just said, ah, it was, it was a long night. I watched a bad movie the night before. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I just would have chalked it up to being a delusion. But the following weekend, we took out another group, which was um, one of our more intimate groups. Uh, it was what we call our Into the Depths uh, you know, walk, where it's maybe like a group of eight people. And we walk further. And the gentleman who was at the front of the group with me from the weekend before, he's like, I, I want to go back. You know, we had, we had some fun stuff happen that night. So we said, I want to come back with you. And, and he wanted to do the, the Into the Depths walk. We went a little bit further. We, we reached a point where there's kind of certain markers along the Black Star path that for us, we've been out there so many times that we know where things start getting heavier for lack of a better term where the activity tends to pick up so there's certain points where we know okay we've crossed we've crossed this threshold all right things might get a little bit weird at this point so we know where those are at and at this marker this is one of those those spots where it does get heavier it gets um the energy shifts it's it's very creepy so we rounded this corner and it, it was a bend and when I looked it was in the middle of the road and it was walking towards us but it was rounding the corner and this time it, it was on two legs so it was bipedal it was standing up and it had this very the very same physical characteristic which was a long, thin, and narrow body. And just the long arms, long arms, long legs, no features, 
Um, no facial features, didn't see anything, because this time it was facing, facing me. This had a grayish hue, not the green hue as before. And maybe I wouldn't think that they were even related or similar if it weren't for the same long features, very thin body. And interestingly enough, I wasn't scared. I wasn't threatened. Whereas the the weekend prior, that was terrifying. Uh, that, I mean, it didn't even seem human. So that was very terrifying. But the next weekend, I was, I'd say almost in a very calm, calm, I don't know if I go so far as saying comforted, but very calm state. And I looked right at it. It looked right at me. And the grayish hue, no face, no mouth. But weirdly, the gentleman who was there from the weekend before, he started saying, and this is probably within maybe a 10 second time period that I had stopped and I stopped in my tracks. And I'm looking, I'm kind of stammering over my words, wanting to tell people that there's something up ahead. I'm not scared, but I'm stunned. I'm not scared. And he, within that 10 second time frame, he's telling everyone my, my, my arm is, is hot. It's hot. It's, it's like burning. I, I'm still looking, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to pay attention to him, but I, I, I didn't want to take my eyes off of this. So everyone's kind of looking to him. Are you okay? What's going on? And and I want to take my eyes off, but I don't want to stop looking. Eventually, he pulls up his 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 sleeve, which was an, an under armor. So he pulls up the sleeve, and everyone kind of gasps because he had three lines down his arm, and it was almost like there was a tiny bit of blood drawn tiny tight it was very minuscule it wasn't anything drastic but eventually i took my eyes off of it because of course this is a guest in one of our groups and oh my god uh, something's wrong something happened so I, I i had to take my eyes off of whatever that was and i'm looking at him and i did see the three lines and i look back and it wasn't there anymore so we do have photographs of that people were taking photos and it wasn't and in my mind i'm thinking i don't know this guy i don't know him maybe he did Maybe he, maybe he did it. Um, maybe he's messing with us. I don't know him. What, what's his intent? Uh, that's what I'm thinking in the moment. Um, I didn't have any reason to to think he would do something like that. But you just don't know people. And so the irony is that my reaction to this being, whatever the heck it was, was the complete opposite of what he experienced so he was experiencing something very not nice but i was in more of a state of calm calm but startled and his his experience was the complete polar opposite this is not like a, a shadow it's not a an apparition this was a being it was bizarre it, it in I, I question, I question what I saw, and I'm always going to question it because I feel, I tell myself, don't go so far that, that you're going to be one of those people. Don't, don't go so far. Bring, re, you know, 
bring that in, bring that in. But I, I, I don't, I don't know what the heck it was. It, it is, you can't make it up. You can't make this stuff up. And um, that is that is an experience that is that has had a tremendous impact on my life and in questioning my own um, understanding, um, and and is also at the same time fuel to to do to dig into this further. That there are things out there that we're not understanding, and either I was completely out of my mind and delusional, or this really happened to me. What we tell people is Black Star Canyon is a is a bizarre grab bag of things that you can't make up and things that you would never expect. You never know what you're going to get out there. And that experience alone has uh, really shaped the way I looked at things. Okay, cool. So let's let's talk EVPs. So EVPs or EVP rather it stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. Uh, most people, if they've watched television shows, uh, ghost hunting shows, it's it's something that they they play often, um, where you're capturing a, a voice on audio recording, be it digital recorders. Uh, some people still use the old analog recorders with the tapes, um, but it's believed that spirit is able to manifest itself through the audio waves and is able to communicate. Uh, most of the time, EVPs are not heard in real time. So they're not heard in the moment or you can't hear it. We, we don't hear it. However, it's a bonus when uh, you can call out at the time, maybe you heard it, uh, maybe you were just really tuned in and you can say, um, guys, last 10 seconds I heard a voice. It, it, it said, I don't know, get me out of here listen back on our audio last 20 30 seconds and you would only hope that you're not crazy and that that's going to be validated when you play it back um, so there are occurrences where it is there in real time and on recording it's also bizarre when maybe it's a crazy loud voice that maybe everyone in the group heard but there's nothing on recording maybe a three recorders there and not one single recorder picked this up so it's Frankly, that's, that to me is even more bizarre. How is it possible that everyone is able to hear that so vividly in the moment, but a single recorder did not pick it up? So it, it goes both ways. Um, so EVPs are uh, a, a very significant form of evidence that we capture out in the field. And ideally, um, these need to be controlled recording sessions because you have to account for every single noise that's taking place in that moment or in your environment so you know of course the more people you have in a setting you know the the more uh, chance that there's going to be some contamination and when you can't confidently eliminate um, you know certain uh, possibilities of the source of the anomaly in question, uh, you have to throw it out, and, and we're not—we're never confident to present a potential EVP clip if if uh, we're not able to to cross our T's and dot our I's and say we know for a fact there is nobody else in this room. We have everyone accounted for. So if anything, we're on the fence. 
we don't present it because it's we're, we're not confident um which is a bummer and, and it could be something so stupid that ruins it you know johnny you didn't identify where you were we don't have any documentation of where you were we have to throw this out we, i mean it sucks because you could have had an epic but you don't know either way so what are you going to do with it one of our most evp heavy locations that that we absolutely love is known as the camino real playhouse in san juan capistrano and we're we're on a bit of a, a theater tour right now where we're exploring the bizarre occurrences in a theater when it comes to EVP, we feel that the the spirits in the playhouse they're they're not threatening. There's not even anything we need to worry about. But when you think of a theater, you know people tend to think of actors in a theater. Of course, uh, that would make sense, and the personality of actors and and we think that based on the encounters that we've had that the spirits in the theater tend to be playful uh they mock you they mock me mock me a couple times and um a little snarky at least in this theater in particular there's some snarky ghosts in here and we embrace them and bring it on well we're gonna you dish it we're gonna we're gonna give it to uh so there's kind of a little playful banter that we have back and forth but <clears throat> this this particular evp that i i want to start with was uh, we classify this as well it's also a class a evp there are different classes there's class a b and c now class a's are as i like to say your holy grail that's that's the best of the best um it's very clear there's no arguing of what is being said it's very very uh identifiable your your class b is is where it gets debatable maybe you maybe everyone's kind of split it says you know we think it's it's saying you know go home now uh but maybe the other half of the people think no it's um you know stay with me you know it's debatable um you have your class c's that are a bit more distorted they're not as clear they might really be underneath and, and kind of hiding there but it's something's there and um there you you don't necessarily agree most cannot agree on what the heck's going on um but it's still something significant enough so anything beyond a class c we really just kind of scrap it and nothing we can do with it um but the first one i i'm i want to talk about is 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 a class a and this one is um located in what is known as the conservatory in the the playhouse theater and this room tends to be the most active for evp you wouldn't think it but it's a source of where a lot of the conversation is happening and in, in this back room uh, it, it's like um i don't know right now it's just uh you know some couches and it's like a chill spot for for the actors and i think they were doing some children's acting classes back there um, but there's also a very old piano back there. It's over a hundred years old. It's a um, an antique piano, and it just kind of hangs out back there. And if you perhaps maybe believe in attachments to things that are old, or uh, but in this clip uh, that that is going to be played, you're going to hear 
you know, just a random group. Uh, this took place uh, during an initial field tryout for our team back in, I want to say, 2015. This is one of the first major EVPs that we captured. And you're going to hear this group, very small group of people led by one of our team members, Roger. And they're all kind of shuffling into the room and just casually talking. And you're, you're going to notice there's, you know, this is not an official session of EVP session. There's just recorders running and uh, they're just casually talking while they walk in the room. And you'll hear Roger mention that there's, a, you know, some technology on the floor. Uh, there's a piano here and, you know, nothing worth noting of there. But then uh, shortly after, you're going to hear a, a voice that comes through that whispers and says please don't touch the piano and it's a very very clear uh whisper i don't think there's any argument about what is being said um this is what we would deem a class a evp that's the 100 year old piano right there oh cool this just almost hung me <laughs> that's a different story Okay. Sorry, but I'm going to use your chair over here for a second. Sorry, I just changed these. Just don't touch the piano. Okay. So that's the 100 year old piano there that you saw in the video. Sorry, I just changed these. Just don't touch the piano. Sorry, I just changed these. Just don't touch the piano. Okay, so uh, this last clip uh, I want to I want to present is another Class A EVP, and this is probably one of our most um, hailed and um, kind of mind-blowing pieces of audio that we've ever captured in any location, which is saying a lot. We've got some pretty cool ones. Um, this one was, I don't believe it was the same night, um, but it also took place in the same room. And it's important to note in this clip that there are only two people in this room. There are no other people there. And uh, there's a gentleman in there, and uh, his name is Alfred, and one of our investigators, Diane, who uh, they were just talking. And at some point, Alfred asks a question because we're, we're trying to solicit a response, and we have no idea who we're talking to, what they're, what they're there for. So thinking of everything and anything we can ask to get a response. So we're hoping to, to hit on the right nerve you know what finds whatever it is that's going to get that that answer so I, I don't know alfred must have thought that okay well maybe he was an actor here um so alfred is asking uh did you did you like the comedy here or uh, you know did you like comedy or did you do comedy something like that and uh, for you know, for when you listen to this for the first time, I'm not going to tell you what it is, um, but it's a very distinct um, voice in the background, and it's probably about five seconds. So listen for about five seconds worth, and uh, after the first time you listen, and I'm going to explain what you heard. Stand-up comedy is pretty funny. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Their stand-up comedy is pretty funny. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. 
pretty funny. So, now that you've listened to it, um, you will very clearly hear what sounds like a, a man, a male voice, who is either laughing, confirming, or mocking um, the question of uh, comedy, or comedy in the theater, and it says either, oh yeah, or hell yeah, ha ha ha, and almost like two voices uh, talking to each other saying, what's that, what's that, what's that? So there are multiple words and phrases being said in this clip, and I have to remind you, there are only two people in this room. And they, neither one of them acknowledged this because they didn't hear it. Because it wasn't there at the time, to them at least. This was something that was picked up afterwards, listening through audio, listening through headphones. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I was, I was one of the people who captured it, and it was probably about 2.30 in the morning. And I practically spit out my drink. And I remember rewinding it, rewinding it, rewinding it. And I think I text everyone I knew, 2.30 in the morning, oh my God, I just picked up something in this clip. This is unbelievable. I, I was so just elated. I didn't care who I woke up. And of course, nobody answered me. Um, so I was talking to myself that night. Um, but this to this day is one of our most profound audio uh, EVP recordings from the Camino Real Playhouse. And uh, we're thinking it might have been a, a snarky, a snarky spirit, and uh, I think we've got a pretty good relationship going on with them. So, um, hope you enjoyed that clip. So, uh, we we are OC Ghosts and Legends. Uh, we can be found at ocghostsandlegends.com. This is our 10-year anniversary, so it's a big a big time for us. We've we've come this far, and the adventures we've been able to take uh, up until this point, uh, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, replace with anything it's it's an experience unlike any other and um you know we can be found on our social media everything is at oc ghosts and legends uh, instagram um youtube oc ghosts and legends twitter ocgl underscore uh para team and um we we operate year-round so we're not just a seasonal operation around halloween ghosts don't just come out on halloween um and we do tours all year round um San Juan Capistrano, Black Star Canyon, and if you're the type of person who wants to experience, you know, a unique, authentic investigation, we pull out all the stops, and uh, we do uh, public events for you to come out and experience it for yourself um, all throughout the year. Uh, Star of India, Steam Ferry, Berkeley, Brackenfern Manor, Camino Real Playhouse, uh, we're, we're everywhere, so we invite everyone to come and check us out, and we would love to have you. Well, there it is. Thanks so much, Chris, for being on the show. We appreciate it a lot, and we hope to do more with OC Ghosts and Legends as soon as possible. Also, thank you, Daniel Lopez, for making this all happen. If you want to tell a story of your own, you can submit a story to us at ghostpodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram at ghostpodcastofficial. If you enjoyed, please leave a review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Until next time, I'm Braden Speakman. Have a good one.